Hello everybody and welcome back to another Papa Hood podcast. This time with a very interesting father and a professional as well. So I I'm I'm going to dive into how he looks at being a dad because from what I understand he's been through life, he's seen it and he's hustled. When you have a person who has been through life like all of us have but each of us have our own experiences we tend to teach our children from that frame of reference so today as times change our parenting styles must change we can't be stuck in the in what we are used to and must we must be able to adapt to to the mindset of the generations that come yes holding on to our roots our values and the things that made us are important but so is evolving and evolving resiliently empathy has always remained in trend we've always been people most of us at least those who can empathize have always succeeded when it comes to dealing and working with people well we're going to dive a little bit more into this the dad i'm talking to today is a gentleman called chris abinash he is a resilient individual man i can't wait to understand what that means as a father right, right. chris i i know you you're a music producer you're a performer a composer you you you're a role play artist you're a sound engineer oh my goodness this is a long list and of course i'm just going to jump to the end and you're a director as well you've performed in over 2000 concerts my goodness i can't wait i i always envy people who come from the music background from you know uh, the creative guys uh, i'm a little jealous of you chris must say but uh, chris welcome to the show and uh, what have i missed in your introduction i see thanks uh, thank you guys for having me over on this uh, the papa hood uh, podcast and um, well you you missed nothing i'm a musician like you said and i play in a couple of bands i manage the uh, the bands as well Uh, i have a recording studio that's up there and uh, i do a lot of work for um, uh, different companies uh, ranging from music production to production of uh, training equipment for lnd and od purposes uh, i also work as a role player like you say i write the, i write scripts for role plays and i write uh, uh, subjective scripts and customized scripts for again for learning uh, uh, initiatives of different companies uh, other than that uh, well like you said also uh, i hustle i do anything i've got this little I, i i look at myself as this guy with this cart you know and i've got a lot of things i can sell or i want to sell and if someone doesn't want something i'm pretty sure they want to pick something else up so yeah that's what i do i sell a lot of things fantastic chris fantastic you hustle i love the way you've just said that right <laughs> up front a lot of people don't do that but we all do the hustle bit right oh, we yeah. just don't we, we just don't uh claim it so yeah. you know so uh chris that, that that's awesome to know now my first question to you and uh i'm going to go back a little bit right okay how did your father what did your dad teach you that's impacting you today what have you carried forward so to speak in a good way or a bad way steve i would love to say good way okay but let's be honest yeah none of us are perfect and uh, uh, me first so uh, you know i'm going to leave that up to you good bad ugly it is what it is i i was speaking to another gentleman and he said he asked me the similar things is it good bad or ugly and i said look all of that made you 
Right. Um, so um, I'm a 70s kid. I was born in 1973. And uh, uh, just to give you a little idea of the background before I, you know, it kind of points to what was good and what was bad or what was desirable and what wasn't desirable about my upbringing. Uh, I'd like to say a lot of us uh, uh, middle class and low middle class kids back in the day, Bangalore was a really small town and were brought up on what I feel and what I'd like to call tough love. You know, it was, it was, uh, uh, and tough love is exactly what it says. You know, there's the word love in it, but you know, there's a, there's a predecessor that says it's tough. So it's going to come to you in some way, but it's, it's about love. And so, so yeah, a lot of tough love in my case, I think it would also be in rough and tough love. So, uh, yeah, rough love and tough love. So, yeah, um, I'd say um, insofar as my upbringing and so far as what I learned from my dad, um, I shouldn't use the word learned so early on in the program uh, or what I felt growing up was uh, um, he was a man who's so, okay, let me give you a little more context. So he was the union leader type of guy. You know, he was a union leader at some point back in the day when Marxism and communism and everything was really big. So he was a really thick skinned guy and he was, and he had to deal with a lot of factory problems, a lot of management problems. And, you know, there were times when there were threats, you know, coming home and, you know, on the, that kind of a background, right? And he was a very rough and tough guy because he was a hardcore factory trenchment type of guy. I think the best thing that my dad did at that point of time was not look at the salary he was getting from his company uh, and then decide what kind of education he would like me to have. So he put us, my brother and myself, in the best school at that time. I think it's still one of the best schools. That's debatable, but that's another conversation. It's, I went to Bishop Cotton's. And back in the day, the monthly fee was half his salary. What? Yeah. So uh, I won't get into numbers because kids or people watching this will not even <laughs> understand it. Right? They won't even understand it. But I'll give you a context. But a liter of petrol was... Two rupees thirty paisa, or about a, a rupee and fifty paisa to a, two rupees thirty paisa. I remember half of the salary went into my education, while the rest of um, his peers or his colleagues would put uh, children in schools for schooling sake, you know, so that they could afford it. That was primary, right? Because the rent came over and above that, survival and the bills and whatever else it was those days came all over and above that. So I think the best thing and the best sacrifice he made was he put me in one of the best English speaking schools. It was a twin prong thing. It was also the worst thing because I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. And uh, this is that this has nothing to do with a, a deep trauma or whatsoever. It's just a very, you know, it's a very a categorical and a very straightforward analysis of the of the time we were living in. The school I went to had the richest kids in town, period. You're talking about kids whose monthly pocket money sometimes would have been twice my dad's salary. So that was, uh, I don't know how to say it, but that was a good and a bad thing. It was obviously a bad thing because you uh, suddenly, you don't know, right? Because kids can be really, really cruel, right? And boys, especially, you know, they can be really cruel, whether it's on the playground or whether it's about your little social life or about such friends you hang out or the canteen you go to or the things you buy, the things you wear, the things you use, um, the hobbies you have, and the hobbies you have are a direct result of the amount of money you have. So a lot of kids would have electronics as hobby and they would be afford, they could buy those kits, you know, those electronic yeah, yeah, kits yeah. and computers and shit. Okay. I had to make that money. 
So that was the good thing. So I could, I knew I couldn't go back and uh, say, okay, you know what? I want pocket money because back in the day, all he would say was, what, what is that? What, come here, come here, come close. No, 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 no. Say that again. What do you want? And so for him, it was a sense of a little more than half my salary is going for your education, dude. And you're coming back and saying you want to have a lollipop, get with the program. You know? Yeah. So that's one thing. It was a good, it was a, it was a double-edged sword. It cut both ways. On oh, both ways, it cut well. Beautiful. But I think um, I, I took a lot away from that because I think as early as fourth, fourth standard, I think I was in 4C when another friend of mine, Christopher Downer and myself, we ran this classic hustle. Um, we started, you know, kulfis. They used to sell kulfis outside school for 15 paisa. You had five paisa coins, yeah. And five paisa had a value. So now that kulfi stick, right? It's a bamboo reed. Now it can be converted to a pen, right? All you need to do is cut a groove into it and shape the edge like a pen, which Christopher Downer did, right? And he painted it with oil colors. And now the trick was, and the key, the, what would I call it? The call to action was very simple, right? Third standard and fourth standard, you were not allowed to use a pen in school. If your teacher caught you with a pen, you were hammered or because you, you're still writing with a pencil and you're doing those top lines in the curves and all that crap, right? So we started selling those sticks as pens to other kids. They had to just dip it in ink and write. And it was a fancy thing because Christopher Downer was one of the most creative people he still is I've ever met. And he would paint them and give them fancy little things to stick on that and everything else. And he'd go back to his farmhouse and do that, bring it back to school. Next morning, we'd be selling discarded kulfi sticks for 10 paisa. <laughs> and the whole of 4A, 4B and 4C, I, I, I know for a fact because I was the numbers and figures guy. I know for a fact that each kid had about 30 or 40, 30, 35 kids in a class. I think we sold to 80% of the kids. That was my first hustle. Wow. And it worked. The pen worked. It was not a con. <laughs> you for a couple of days and then you thought, dude, what is this? What am I doing? This is a bloody kulfi stick, you right? So, but by then you paid your 10 paisa to the, you know, they'd call us ebony and ivory because uh, Christopher Downer was obviously as white as the snow and I was <laughs> ebony. Yeah. Oh man. So, so, so ebony and ivory ran quite a few schemes like this. So yeah, it, it goes on. So coming back to your question, I think the best thing my dad could have done was for want of a better term, buy me a class education. Wow. Put me in the midst of some of the most eloquent teachers, eloquent students, and people with really eloquent and classy upbringings so that I could get that global perspective. Today, it's easy, right? You just need to go to any school and it's global. It's pretty much global. <laughs> Those days, it wasn't like that. So it, was, it was very classist and it was very elitist to be in such schools. And well, I, I, I grew up around that and I thank him for that. At the same time, I won't forget the trauma of Having to do those hustles, yeah. yeah so. the, and the tough love. I mean, all the tough love. You, you know, yeah. uh, again, I, I completely get where you're coming from because I, I come from that same era. Tough yeah. love was, you felt the tough, you were looking yeah. for the love. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right? Absolutely. That's a beautiful, that's a beautiful way. You felt the tough, you know. Yeah. This is exactly like that, you know. And I started my, I use music's my mainstay now. And yeah. when I was in the 10th standard, I think it was in the 9th, ninth, ninth standard, 9th ninth standard summer holidays, I told my dad, okay, listen, I want a guitar. He just said, hmm, why, man? I said, dad to play, to, I want to learn. I'm going to learn very nice. I, I saw the seniors playing in school, the 12th standard kids. And all. I want to play. I think I can play. Hmm, okay, okay, okay. Uh, how you learn? I said, uh, no, no, I'll just, the teacher is there. How much the teacher takes, man? Teachers to those days take 75 rupees a month. 
Robert, God bless him. He's still around. Robert at Reynolds. So mm. he used to take 75 bucks. 75 bucks a month, Steve, was a king's ransom. <laughs> okay. And look, and I had the chagrin to go tell my dad, I want to learn guitar. I want to buy a guitar. And it's going to cost you 75 bucks a month. When the school fees was about 400 or 450 bucks a month at those days. So here's how that went. He said, Okay, you want to buy a guitar? So this is the tough love. I'm explaining the tough. Yeah. So he said, uh, buy it, man. So I said, yeah, okay. Uh, it's uh, 280, 275 rupees. Reynolds, we couldn't afford. So it's about 275 bucks. And um, ah, go buy. What are you waiting for? Go buy, Baba. So I said, yeah, what money I need? Ah, that I don't have. <laughs> okay, now what do you do? So that then started my... Uh, Washing cars, walking dogs. Oh my goodness. Uh, all kinds of other things to <laughs> make that money to buy my first guitar. Chris, you know, although we are laughing about it now, yeah, I can only imagine that as a child that you went through. It is what it is. And yeah. I love the fact you're being so real. I, I want to ask you, how has that painted your picture of the world? And especially now that you're a father of a young daughter. Yeah. How, 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 does that, how does that transpire? How does it, you know, kind of work? I'd say I, I, I need to look at it honestly. And I'd, I'd, like, I'd like to say uh, when I analyze the last 10 or 15 years, my daughter's 19 now. So when I analyze the last 10 years, especially, right, because she also went to school and she's done with school and now she's in college. And then there's a whole growing up phase and all of that. I'd say I think it affected it badly, Steve, because there's always this baggage we carry. Saying, listen, you're in a mall. What are you buying everything for? You just don't need to fill the basket. You don't need to keep a full, a full fridge. You don't need to keep a full cupboard. Baba, this is it. And you don't know you're at loss for words because for you, it's like, I didn't, I couldn't. At one side, it is, you should be able to and you must. But the other side is, if you do that and you go that way, I don't know where you're going to go with this because you're not going to get to a place where you understand the value of a plectrum, yeah. you know, or anything, a little thing. And by understand the value, again, let me change the terminology. You're not going to understand, you're not going to realize how much you already have, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, and and, and, it's, uh, and I, I think this whole spiel about uh, kids in Africa don't eat. Uh, you go as go 30 kilometers outside the city, you'll see kids sitting under the street lamp studying for ICSE. That's all wasted on the um, kids of this generation, Steve. It's all wasted. I think it's more so to answer your question, it did, it does affect it uh, badly. And we go neck to neck sometimes where she says, I need this. Yep. And I have to define to her the Abraham Maslow need hierarchy where I'm saying, you don't need this, you want this. <laughs> and and my poor wife, Kavya, she... Uh, the fights between dad and daughter can be intensely voluminous, right? And Kavya is the one peacekeeping force in the house. She's the one sweet, nice. She will just put her hands on her head and say, listen, please, can we just do this another time? Listen, Baba, just listen to what he has to say. Listen, she's already bought it. So, I mean, what, what are you... So she's doing <laughs> that little... Yeah. So, yeah, it, so that the past really has a bearing on the future and has a bearing on how you see things. You might think that, no, I'm going to be different. Now I make a lot of money. So let my daughter buy what she wants. But you have to really look around before yeah. you let that. Because 
there are many things that come from uh, instant uh, gratification. There are many out, there are many downfalls of instant gratification for this generation that they will not know or they do not have an idea about until you tell them. Not that I'm a great philosopher, but at some point of time, you need to, you know, so that's how it affects. So it's a good and bad side. You're, it's it's amazing you bring that up because I have four kids, right? Ranging yeah. from 17 to nine. And instant gratification is something that, well, you know, it, it's with the times. We've got to keep up as parents. Yes, right. it's changed. Our, our needs, our goals were very different from theirs. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, like you, I've sat my kids down and explained the difference between a need and a want. I've actually done that. And I've always, uh, that has helped me because when, when they come and ask me for something, the first question I ask them is need or want? Pick one. Right. Which one is this? Which category does this fall in? Yeah. Right? Because, yeah. and then they go back and it's helped me because they go back and they, uh, you know, okay, dad, I don't think we should be, I, I need that right now. You know, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, we can wait for that or whatever. So I think that's, I think it comes down to communication, Chris. W right. What's your thought on that? Well, you know, especially when we're dealing with such a huge change. I mean, right. I remember when I was growing up as a kid, we didn't have malls. We had shops. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we may make the jam guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, with wax. Yeah, yeah. Right? Well, I know that story. I know it so, well. so we, we, when we wanted to go shopping, we went to the shop. We went to the market. The yeah. kids today, well, they're on Flipkart. They'll send you the link and say, "Dad, uh, I like this. Very nice to know." Yeah. I just keep it there unread. But you yeah. know what I mean, right? Yeah. So, uh, how do you handle that communication bit? Um, so luckily for me, um, between uh, my wife, between Kavya and myself, we always do the good cop, bad cop thing. And we can see it coming, right? So there are a lot of times when I'm the bad cop and there are a lot of times when she's the bad cop. Yep. The trick, I, I know this is manipulation, but uh, the trick I think with any relationship is a certain amount of, since we are talking about tough love, we, I think manipulation also comes under tough love. Yeah. We played very calmly. And... I'm, we're blessed with a really good uh, daughter with a head on our shoulders and her schooling has taught her a value for people, how to uh, understand that you can talk to auto drivers, you can talk to e uh, the, the BBMP workers, you need to know Canada and you need to understand uh, animals, people who look after animals, you need to understand people who work for you, how work is domestic help. So she understood that very, very early on. So insofar as that is concerned, we, I have, we've not had much, not had any problem communicating with my daughter and she uh, if, if, if seamlessly integrates uh, with, into most societies. Uh, as far as the material thing is concerned and as far as, this, as buying this communication, it's the same, it's like you, how you explained, um, uh, Steve, that there's going to be a point when you are going to have to let them know that it's not about you being able to afford something or not. There are a lot of parents who make that mistake, who guilt the children into saying, oh, no, 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 uh, uh, that gaming console is uh, 85,000. How I'll make that money, Baba, where? So then the kid goes into a different zone saying, oh, this is actually a lot of money. That works, Steve. That works to a large extent. But it leaves the kid saying, we as a family can't, as opposed to we as a family can and I can if I want to. Yep. So let me take on that responsibility. The last time I gave my daughter pocket money and uh, God bless her was, was when she was in the eighth or ninth standard. Wow. So she yeah, she started doing her own work. She started doing her own shoots. She started doing her own 
whatever work she does and uh, she doesn't make a lot of money in the beginning and now she does but yeah <laughs> but yeah so she's uh, uh, she's pretty well off and she sponsors funds her holidays herself she's very independent she's also very resilient thanks to i think thanks to what she's seen of my upbringing and what she's seen of how i am the apple doesn't fall far from the tree man oh it doesn't oh it doesn't <laughs> clearly <laughs> you know so so there's this, there's this little joke going around right so my wife's really fair and everything also jerush also looks like my wife right uh-huh. so so a lot of my you know how boys can be right especially 30 year <laughs> friends of 30 years old like oh yeah <laughs> yeah so this is like macha your daughter only yeah so i'll say then then i to <laughs> Then I have to say, wait till she opens her mouth. Hear the acid tongue. Then you'll know. Who's then you'll know. Is, you absolutely, know. absolutely. I, I, you know, I love, I love the the simplicity of this, Chris. Yeah. Because the way I'm experiencing just us talking about, you know, the challenges of being a dad. Yeah. And the and the the great things about it. I mean, when you talk about uh, Jerusha, right? You yeah, Jerusha. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jerusha, I I can feel that. that respect and love that you have for her because you know like you said she's a hustler as well yeah. and if she can do all those things at 19 i mean can't yeah, wait to she, see what's she's coming she's got it pretty good awesome. no see also also uh, uh, steve in her favor i must really say why there are reasons why i'm really proud of her her mother's a really powerful person in the media the company her mother works at practically has a lot to do with the fashion and the movie industry okay now the thing is um jerusha can't be promoted there because she's uh, the kid of the mother said mother yeah so they have company rules about spouse and children promotion and you know putting them up for these competitions and sending them up for these auditions and sending them up for these big really big bill events like fresh face and all that which she can't go for mm. she just can't so without all of those that large advantage but just got taken away from her just because she's our kid yep she she had to make the best of what else is there in the market nice it's a it's a it's a it's a slower climb for those who are in the fashion and the film industry and in the the whole entertainment industry you'll understand but it's a longer climb as opposed to through the beauty contests and through the films and through the regular channels it's yeah. a longer winded road but it's a way more interesting path absolutely and that is that is that was my biggest challenge in communication to tell her that listen even if that road looks straight and narrow to whoever it is you don't have to take it because you can't take it we get it but just go off go off it'll come back again because it if it's there it's meant for you and you're going after it it will come ah that's it i mean from the time i picked up my and that's an example i give her. i said from the time i picked up my first guitar i was my the first band i played in was so crap i don't know how we escaped alive out of those two concerts because we were so horrible see right so we were so bloody horrible it was just a nightmare those but we kept at it some of us kept at i kept at it and we went and we went we didn't have any godfather or anybody say okay now you can play in this or you become this music director's um what do you call it apprentice and therefore your next part it was all it was all very it's know. very interesting you say that because i'm sensing that you were guiding your child or you are mm-hmm. still guiding your child 
And at the same time, you're controlling, you've got that sense of, oh, yeah. you know, uh, how do you differentiate that too, especially for a 19-year-old young lady? Not just 19, Steve, even as even, even as in, as far as I can remember when she was three or four, there's always a question that comes, are you guiding, are you controlling? Because most guiding is controlling. Because when you guide, you've assumed the role of a superior slash parent slash someone who knows. And with that comes an inherent sense of control, which says, look, this is how you make coffee. You take the milk, you add the sugar, and yep. this is the amount of sugar you have to add. That is the amount of coffee, otherwise it will become really bad. Mm. And these are the types of coffees, choose only that. So that, while it's guiding, can also be controlling, right? So it's a very thin line. So how I differentiate is I ask myself the question, before I'm going to give her any advice or any guidance, or even if I'm going to control something, I ask myself that question saying, listen, just imagine suddenly after this piece of advice, if she suddenly became 35 years old, so she's now eight. So just in an hour, if she becomes 35 years old, how would she react to it? Uh -huh. So that, it gives me perspective because it says, dude, think of her as a universe, as a big woman. Yep right? Or a big man, as if it's a boy, right? And say, listen, tomorrow, and by tomorrow, I mean, not like metaphorically tomorrow, in the next few hours, this girl is going to be 35. How is that advice? Or how is that direction going to land? Wow. So that that makes me think for a while. And then I choose my words carefully. So therefore, I think guidance, as well as a conformity, or whether you want to call it control, they're all a very gray area mm. in, 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 in what we call it, right? So it is more questions i think if you're asking questions in a guidance or in a in a situation which you people might construe as control if you're asking the questions yeah uh, i think it's very open as in do you think the coffee will be good if you add two spoons of coffee yeah so now that's open for her mind to think so sure. right sure. so i do a lot of questions or i will create create a situation saying um Jerusha, you wanted to go for that party. Uh, you had just come back from work. It's uh, whatever work you had, you had to shoot and it's 10 o'clock. I know you're excited in 10.30 and you're saying there's an after party. It's going to go on till four o'clock. All right, fine. Do you think it's a good idea? Yes, daddy, it's a good idea. All right. Have you slept last night? Uh, no. What do you think happens to you when you lose your sleep? Oh yeah, my skin breaks out. Uh -huh. What's the kind of food at the party? No, it's only us, daddy. It's only kids. So there's going to be like no food. There's going to be finger food and chips and stuff. What has happened when you ate chips by the dozen last time, Baba? Right? Then it's no more. Don't go to the party. It is why I think you should decide whether you want to go to the party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then comes the next thing. Listen, tomorrow morning, don't you have an audition? So yes, I have an audition. Are you ready with it? It's a monologue of about two pages. No, no, no. I'll learn it fast. Okay, how long do you think it'll take? It'll take me about an hour. Okay, so when will you learn it? Uh, hour about seven. I said, what time will you come? Will you, do you think you'll come back from the party? So then it'll be, oh, daddy, I'll come back by about three or four. I said, the last time you said three or four, that became seven. So you're going to come at seven and sit on this. Do you think it's possible? You know, the last time we tried studying for your math exam and you did this, you had studied for Hindi and then did math. So you, it's questions, I think, Steve. Yeah, and it's a very introspective. You're, you're forcing the child to to think for themselves, right? At yeah. whatever age they may be. And this has to start early because otherwise they will see it as a technique. Yeah. 
it's not a cross questioning it's not an interrogation it's about what you're doing i'm asking you what you think yep yep about this 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 aspect and how it ties into that 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 do you think it's a healthy you know let them come up with the answers and then if they still want to go for the party or in this case i gave a very loose example yep. so be it go because i've guided you i've not controlled you you control yourself yeah and sometimes you've got to put your foot down and just say no yeah oh there the oh there are those times as well you know there's oh my got goodness you. got the, you got oof, you there so are those is, times as well so i i want to ask you this what scares you as a father for your child obviously for a girl child and in a country like we are in steve needless to say right you ask any father of a girl you know there are, they, they, they are a petrified lot they are also a highly defensive lot and they are a very volatile lot you know i know because i i've seen my friends with daughters who say you know uh, dad uh, what is that uh, da- uh, girl wearing daddy's girl and the boy and the, and the and the man wearing you know i'm her father mm. you know and you have all these loose jokes going about right uh, get her back by 7 o'clock or i'll kill you or you yep. know all of those yeah all of those things so those all stem from fears those are loose jokes that stem from fears and those fears are very real one point of time this girl wanted to go to uh, where was it and she did she went to manipal on her own for some shoot i don't know the agency i don't know the people and she just got on her flight and she said daddy i'll be fine but there she went and she realized it was a bit of an iffy situation and she quickly called me and she said so this 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 is what has happened this 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 is what they said and this this is actually what i'm looking seeing around me so that i got a good breakdown and we were able to step in but these fears right see they will be there for anything i mean it's very easy to say the night is a dangerous time to go out it is very easy to say don't go to a pub wearing a skirt yeah those are those should not be fears true right but sadly we are conditioned to think around that yeah yeah right so there are multiple fears i have for her the fear that she'll get mugged the fear that she might get molested the fear that she might get uh pulled into a car and god knows what because i've got a very vivid imagination too oh yeah right i write script so it's very vivid you give me a, you give me a bean and i'll make you a bean stock and i'll throw in the giant and i'll throw in everybody and i'll make the whole bloody story yeah. so that luckily for me is kind of those fears are allayed and kind of softened by my better half kavya does the saying hey calm down it's all right uh, overthinking sometimes dads can overthink yeah i think yeah. overthinking is the our biggest enemy when it comes to fears and we need to be a little more realistic it's easier said than done Oh, agree. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to walking around Delhi at nine nine p.m. I wouldn't want to enter Delhi. Okay, walking around <laughs> Delhi. So, yeah. so you see, that's a fear. It's a very uninvalid fear, but True. it's a fear. Yeah, you you're right. How do you see today's generation handle the stuff that we handle? Now, I'm not saying obviously it'd be unfair to con- you know compare yeah. the two generations. Absolutely, that's not yeah. where I'm going. My yeah. my thing is. do you feel that resilience do you feel that accountability are traits this generation have and what's your thoughts around that with what all's <laughs> happening with the global warming what all's happening with the political situation what all's happening with the water table what all's happening with the air what all's happening with the food cycle what all i can just go on steve Oh, none yeah. of us actually know they seem to be the only ones who are taking it in their stride 
the ones who are political have their and i know a lot of my daughter's friends who are political in nature and they have their leanings the ones who are apolitical don't give a rat's backside mm. about anything but themselves they are a very uh, it's very easy for us to call them a very selfish generation self centered yeah yeah self centered it's very easy for us to call them that because those are the qualities we saw as self centeredness and selfish true but but that's what's uh, that's what is going around is each man for himself and god for us all if there's a god yeah you know that that's how they looking at it it's very easy for us to say oh you're a woke generation so i can't talk down to you oh you're the woke generation you're aware about things i can't uh, you i call you uh, tinny fatty wonder i can i can't <laughs> or kunta you know dumma gundu i can't do all of those because oh you, you take offense to those things yeah you know yeah. at the same time <laughs> at the same time they have a good they have a good example about other things right like for example my dad always told me work 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 and he my dad was the kind of guy who stayed in a company for 45 years of his life at the end they gave him a bloody watch a thank you note and showed him the gate and that bloody watch doesn't work okay so now so that's the kind of watch they got right and a thank you note god knows where the thank you notes but i come from a generation which worked which hustled which did we saw we saw we saw greater money faster yeah right true so we saw greater money faster we saw the returns coming in fast and we were the generation you and me were the generation that saw cable that that saw the cassettes just become cd's become mp3s yep yeah and saw uh, a star trek in the morning once a week waiting for star trek and then suddenly had 99 channels on your tv right so we we got caught in that crossfire now this generation woke up in that they yeah. woke up in this thing so when you come to things like there's a word they use so carefully these days and i'm going to use that word entitlement mm. so when we dis- when we describe when i describe to my daughter or her friends that saying listen you have to work you know when you finish your degree then this that then this that and then you do this and then you know five years of work even three years okay is enough it's actually two years so you know what baba get one year work experience in this and then we can move to that and you know then you can have time i'm going on and on and like an old grandmother because <laughs> they will just turn around and tell you is that what elon musk did yeah is that what they show you on shark tank yeah is that what the startups are doing is that how the they call the e millionaires or the tech millionaires or what i know what they called something right tech millionaires or something yeah. right so you know what daddy so and so's friend started an app you know what he's earning now so you have nothing to say to yeah that. reference points are very different for sure it's there's you have nothing to say to that so yeah. your context is out of the window <laughs> there's no if you work like this then you get that degree yeah, yeah daddy but then so and so is uh, selling cakes from home yeah. she bought herself a, and it's a true story she's selling cakes from home daddy she's in now in the first year degree and she's bought herself a car <laughs> i said wow and she likes making cakes so yeah that that's my answer to your do i think they are entitled i think they are entitled but with reason yep. do you think they are selfish i think they are very selfish but with reason true is sending them out into a world which is is getting tougher and tougher to have personal private space and know what you are about because you have to integrate make a decision move on hustle and go fast yeah or you're just left behind or you're left behind that's very yeah. true i can't i can't disagree with that chris absolutely yeah. right uh, i want to ask you this sure i mean you you've spoken about your past you've spoken about you know your life it's so beautifully i really uh love it i i want to ask you if there was one experience right that you would like your daughter to have to have now or mm-hmm. maybe have it experience it at some yeah. point in her life what would yeah. that be 
what would that be from you just the ability to go out on the bangalore roads meet anyone meet the shopkeepers meet anyone talk to anyone climb a tree pluck a guava steal a mango run from the military guys when they are getting stolen the grapes and you are running away from the run get belted you know fall down get yeah. up come back home i i think cleaner air i just you know what steve since you asked the question i honestly feel they've got everything but clean air and clean water and i just wish that for our kids i just wish my god couldn't we have done something with this town plan what have they done what have you done to this man what have you done so i True. wish that i wish that i also wish um i also wish our kids all our kids i wish them patience because that's that's something they are going to find tougher and harder to get as the years go by yeah Yeah, they're going to find it very difficult to be patient, uh, Steve. I feel that it's so interesting that you bring that up because uh, the social issues that we deal with. Yeah, I think we don't have time for patience. Oh yeah. Although we want them, you know, the people to have patience. Yeah, yeah. The social pressures and social issues that you mentioned just, uh, you know, a little while ago are so at a breaking point, right? Yeah. We haven't thought about. the use of plastic yeah we haven't thought about uh uh you know our our, our footprint our carbon yeah. footprint <laughs> we haven't thought about right. jack shit <laughs> <laughs> so we haven't thought about no because that discussion came up right and she says so what did you dad this is and they are very clear the, a lot of the people in generation are very clear saying listen you guys in the 70s 80s and 90s didn't do anything to you just handed us down the same thing and now you're telling us to clean up the if not uh, worse the if not yeah, worse if not worse worse absolutely <laughs> right so what what do you say back you can't say anything to that saying i'm giving you a you know bowl of shit do what you want with it kind of thing chris where do you think a dad no i i know a dad plays a very important role in pretty much every part of a child's life and development right in your opinion where mm-hmm. do you think a, a father can play a significant role especially for social change so me being father and me having a daughter i'll have to answer from that perspective i can't answer for all fathers i think fathers in general can have a huge huge impact on gender inequality oh man i think it's got to start there you know and and i don't want to say be your father of a boy so tell him to respect the girl no it doesn't that it's not as simple <laughs> as that Yeah, and it's not for the girl. You're a father of a girl, so tell her be brave, go out. You know, so it's not as simple as that. But I think gender equality is where fathers more than mothers, I think, have a huge, huge role to play. And I think gender equality would 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 kind of cross into a lot of other issues. You know, oh man, Chris, the employment, whether it's entertainment, whether whatever it is, pay structures, any damn thing, can do, can't do. you know possible not possible boy versus girl gender equality and tomorrow the earth really isn't going to give a shit whether it's going to blow up on a girl or a boy or a man <laughs> or a woman right it's just going to screw them all equally so if the earlier they learn that they are one human race that's actually heading out there you know they are heading into an inferno i am convinced and the fast this small squabbles that we call the gender equality inequality or equality just came up so recently steve True. right but, True. but but it's it's been staring us in the face forever and especially in a country like india i think in a country like india i think fathers can have the greatest impact uh, possible uh, 
very large impact on gender equality. Oh, beautiful. Equality. Yeah. That's such a beautiful thing you said, because the way I see it, uh, yes, inequality. I have three sons and one girl, so you can imagine what happens at home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you can imagine what, what we go through, what yeah, it's like. The, Absolutely. The, the, the debates are intense and it's, it's so much of fun. I, I want to ask you, how has fatherhood changed you, Chris? I think um, only in terms of, uh, honestly, Steve, I'm going to be honest and candid about this on answer. I think it changed me only in terms of financial security or insecurity. You know, saying now you have a kid and she has these, 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 these dreams. And there's a chance that she might require that, 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 this, right? So I think the biggest change for me, and it's a, it, and it's a very practical, I think it's a very practical approach my the way I've changed for that is is about that. I mean, I started doing FDs or I started doing savings or I started doing my whatever little my music is me squirreling away small amounts here and there, only because of otherwise I'm a number one spendthrift. You give me hundred bucks, I will spend hundred <laughs> bucks and I will go and hustle for the next hundred with already planning how I'm going to spend that. Oh, Chris. So I think that's the first way it's changed me. The other way it changed me is. Um, it makes me ask myself questions when I'm about to do something stupid as to what if that kid just become 35 years tomorrow morning and then she turned around and she said, how could you do that? Dad? You know? yeah. Because we have stories of daughters who are 30 and 35 having it out with their fathers when they are you know, able to have it out with their fathers saying, you did that. You did that with that property. You, that was supposed to be this. You did. Yeah, and you see these and you see this every day. So for me, it's very quick. For me, my mind goes, she's 35 tomorrow morning. What would she say? Mm. You know, so that, that has a huge impact on me. And I, I think I generally uh, try to be a good boy. That's the definition of That's very encouraging to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but I love the way you've projected what she would do or say at 35. And based on that, make decisions today. That, yeah, like I said earlier, that that goes in so far back as for even whether you're guiding them or whether you're controlling them or whether you're giving them advice. You should all, I think parents should always say, imagine they are 35, dude. What would they do with that piece of information? Because that's not going to be forgotten. True. Right? So what would they say to that then? So best way forward is questions. So yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Me, yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Chris. We've come to the end of our time, but I wish I didn't, wish we didn't rather. But I must tell you that it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show because one of the things that I sense is that you keep it real, Chris. Right. And when you keep it real, you get to understand what goes on in the mind of a father. And it's not just about provide, protect. I think that's old school. Yeah. There's so much more to being a dad, right? Way, way more. And what we are trying to do here at the Papahood Podcast is create that discussion or a space for that discussion where people talk about what a dad goes through. And it's not just going to work and coming back and providing and protecting. There's so much more that a father goes through. And Chris, I think you are one of those dads who have absolutely, uh, you know, brought that out into the open and you've discussed it. I really appreciate you, Chris, for being on the show. Thank you, Steve. I really appreciate uh, Jerusha for making you the father yeah. 
that you are today right. because without our kids we're still right. only husbands or men yeah. yeah yeah so really appreciate jerusha for that uh i want to thank you and uh, your last words uh, i mean parting words of wisdom for us if you don't mind it's very easy to say those three words you know keep it real <laughs> so i'll just say keep it real because uh, it, the faster as parents and the quicker as parents you start understanding and seeing the society, seeing the the dynamics around you and the dynamics around which your kid is growing always remember that you're only caretakers you know i read somewhere and it's such a beautiful thing you're only caretakers they're all little universes you know with their own atoms and multiple universes going on in their own heads and you just have them for a little while right and in that little while you can't mold them into something you want you hold them you don't mold them yeah that i came up with that's mine yeah hold hey that's a nice one don't mold them hold them yeah so and and um, and they go out into their own universe and they meet other universes and they have impact on society and that will only depend on what they've seen and what they've learned or more important than non more than speaking communication it's what they see around them so make sure they're seeing the right things and don't shy away from affection don't shy away from that i mean i came from a, from old school where i i don't think my dad has ever told me i love you son you know though so yeah i don't they they are a different ball game altogether bro yep. they are in they are a totally Absolutely. different ball game then there are no shit generation you know <laughs> just, why should i tell you i love you why should what is there now i told you now what you will do with it tough love so, yeah that's it so i think we should that's changed now i yeah. think the more you tell them that you are there for them and you like them you love them and you are really interested to see what they're going to make of themselves yeah and you're watching so you know that that kind of makes a difference That's awesome chris ladies and gentlemen if you've not enjoyed this podcast on the papahood podcast i want you to ask i want to ask you rather to please rewind go listen to it again <laughs> this has been an absolute pleasure to talk to chris to get his understanding of being a dad to all our listeners here thank you for uh tuning in again as usual for supporting us uh thank you uh to chris for being here chris thank you so much most welcome sir yeah um everybody else you know where to catch us facebook linkedin twitter instagram spread the love share the word let's talk about dads and what we do it's not as easy as it may sound but i can tell you for all the fathers that we have interviewed it's been an absolute pleasure being a father ups and downs well we'll take it on the chin yeah wherever you are thank you everybody for tuning in make sure to share like uh, do whatever it is we do to spread the word remember you'll find us either at steven brass or on the papahood podcast handles thanks chris thank you you're welcome thank you everybody wherever you are stay safe and god bless you